0: This episode contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. There are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today, we'll be reviewing the Advanced Player's Guide. This is part of our book review series, where we review every core book in the Pathfinder role-playing game. Christian, I want to talk about my balls now.
1: Oh, okay, right now. That's happening. Sure. It's it's ten AM Saturday morning and I wanna talk about Caleb's balls. You and I haven't talked in person for a very long
0: time, but I need to inform you about my test.
1: Please, I'm intrigued. This is like my morning <laughs> cup of coffee.
0: So we already ran a little warning at the beginning of the episode, but just to give
1: you another little thing, we're going to be talking
0: about biology using slang terminology for it. We're going to be finding a lot of humor in our body. So if that's not something you're interested in, today's episode probably isn't for you.
1: <laughs> so if you're interested about learning about the Pathfinder role-playing game, the Advanced Player's Guide, sorry, you got to kind of have to sort it all through.
0: Yeah, yeah. really, <laughs> you're going to have to have one with the other. I also like how that saying, you know, if you're not interested, does apply. If you are interested, though, <laughs> stay around. <laughs> <laughs> There's no middle ground here You either want to hear about my balls Or you do not And those of you who do not I want you to unsubscribe <laughs> <laughs> Please please don't do that <laughs> So Christian uh, The reason we're doing it now Is because in the Game Mastery Guide I was a very tired person And I don't remember exactly how it came up But it did come up Oh I remember now You asked me boxers or briefs In which I went into the whole thing And I'm here to tell you guys uh, I was wrong I got to thinking about it after that episode and I'm like, let me go figure out what the name of this thing was because I just can't remember. And I looked it up and everything I communicated to you guys in the Game Mastery episode about my condition was like filtered through, you know, 10 to 20 years of Caleb trying to remember what they told him when he was 10 or 12. So now that I, I looked it up and I have all the correct information, what I have is called testicular varicocele. And it's like you've heard of varicose veins in your legs and things like that. I just have it connected to one of my testicles as well. That's the only difference. Varicose veins, for those of you who don't know, is you kind of, believe it or not, have actually have almost like valves strewn about your veins completely. And the valves kind of are almost like a, think of a triangle, the top of a triangle. You know, so if something goes towards the top of the triangle, it opens up. And if something went back down to the opposite direction, it would close up. Varicose veins, those are malformed, so a lot of blood kind of pools and collects there as it isn't able to quite go as quickly as efficiently, and that's all varicose veins is. Uh, unlike what I said it was, I believe, I said veins had dropped out of my pelvis into my scrotum. I think you said that you had, like, too many. Like they're just uh, It's not only false, I believe that's impossible. So, <laughs> so there's adult Caleb's understanding of what I have, all right? And when I went through researching this, I found out it's treatable. So on today's episode, I'm going to take you on the journey of how I got my testicular varicoseal treated. Which is a very recent thing. Very recent thing. I'm still in recovery. But first, let's talk about the Advanced Player's Guide. 335 pages makes up this pretty meaty book. I like my books meaty. All right, let's maybe... let's. See. My fault, my <laughs> bad for using that language right after testicular varicoseal. We should move away from that. Chapter 1, Races. 18 pages each race gets two pages these aren't new races these are all the old races and what are we getting new about them we're getting a little bit of lore regarding each race's disposition towards and reasoning for becoming each class and that includes all the classes that are available up to this point the core classes and the classes introduced in this book. I think that stuff can be interesting. However, as a creative person myself, whenever I come up with characters, I don't think I've ever consulted the race guide or this book to see, hmm, what is my race? Why would he be a rogue? I just sort of come up with that on my own. But I guess if you that isn't where you get creativity, there's a chance there for you to
1: uh, spawn some reasoning for that.
0: We also get alternate racial traits and favored class options. You've heard us talk a lot about those in the race episode.
1: I was surprised to find that these are not core. I find alternate racial traits and favorite class options so, like, integral to the way that I build characters that I just assumed it was core. So this is the first time we're seeing this.
0: To give you a little little taste of my conclusion, we'll be finding that throughout this book, at least in my case. I kept going, wait, this wasn't... Our, I play with this by default. How is this not already built into the crust?
1: <laughs> See, I, I am in the same boat that I don't find the whole bit about each race and their lore and why there's certain classes very useful or... It's a little interesting, but it's not very useful. But if you're a newer player or someone who doesn't like making in-depth backstories or finding reasons why your character's in the game, it could be a useful tool for you.
0: It's always a fun thing to have your eyes open to the world of others. I was listening to a Pathfinder podcast, and the guy's talking about how he makes his characters. And I was just like, I don't even know if I could play with you, let alone <laughs> understand how to be you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try not to say, it's just dumb. No one's going to use it. There probably is people out there who going to use it. it. just isn't my cup of tea. doesn't mean it's bad that it's in there.
1: And it's only eighteen pages. Yeah, very small subset of this book.
0: It Doesn't take much time to get through them, unlike my doctor's visit, which took some time. <laughs> Christian, I made an appointment with my doctor, and he's like, what are you in here for today? Talk to him about a couple other things. I'm like, oh, there's one little thing. It's one little. I want to tack on to the end here, and I, you know, I got, to- I got testicular varicose, and I heard that it's treatable, and I was wondering, and he kind of interrupts me, and he's like, yes, it's treatable, but this is gonna start. Sort of a trend, Christian, of people think I'm lying about my varicose veins. I don't know what the motivation is for people thinking, I just enjoy pretending I have it. But the doctor proceeded to quiz me to make sure I had it.
1: I feel like there's a really easy way to determine whether or not you have it. There
0: is. And there is a point where he's like, all right, why don't you drop your pants Um, This isn't the best part of either of our days. He puts his gloves on. He looks up my pants and underwear already around my ankles. I'm like, let's get going. Fondle away, my dude. I'm ready. (laughs) Listen, Christian, I am pretty open about my body. I've told thousands of people about my varicose veins at this point from this podcast alone. I I wanted to take pics of how weird my sack looked after the <laughs> surgery, but expressed a little bit of discretion at that point. So go go dude. This maybe this is
1: the best part of my day. All right, go ahead. Feel away. I can't I cannot stand it when doctors are coy about that kind of stuff. It's like <laughs> come on, just do it. Who cares? You're a doctor. You're you're making the sock. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm ready for this. I, before I
0: didn't think that you were gonna be all pedo about it. Now I'm feeling a little weird. Now you've made, you've made this weird pedo. I'm not a child pervert. That's the word.
1: Whenever I have to drop my pants at the doctors, sometimes they ask a stupid question. I shave my legs. So they'll ask me, do you shave? The answer's right there. You know, the answer to this question. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I'm just a weird hairless mammal. I don't know.
0: To their credit, there's, there's,
1: uh, I I know men myself
0: personally that just naturally don't have hair in their legs. What, and what I did freaks? that sort of what? like ridiculous. Really? And he's like, really? <laughs> no, he's lying about that like I was lying about my testicular varicocele. Anyway, so he funnels away and he sees, okay, it's there. Okay, I, I can start to feel it getting gorged now because if you mess with it, it annoys it and uh, it pulls more blood so they get bigger. So he's like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll recommend you to a urologist, which by the way, I never knew that urologists covered those things as well. But uh, it makes sense. Pee is stored in the balls, so why <laughs> wouldn't he have to look at my balls? Uh, but why don't we get <laughs> – into chapter two classes. <laughs> this is a scientifically this
1: proven. We
0: have it from the doctor's mouth itself. 124 pages in chapter two. I've taken my bottle in my hand, I opened it, laughed at Christian's joke, closed it, <laughs> never took a sip. We got six new classes introduced in this book, and these are called base classes. The alchemist gets six pages. Cavalier gets 5.5, Inquisitor gets 4.5, the Oracle gets 11, not super surprising given that they're a caster, Summoner gets 9.5, and and the Witch gets 7. We also get Archetypes.
1: This is the first introduction of Archetypes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, I would buy the book just for this. Finally, how did you play without Archetypes? That's why I play the game. Another thing that we're talking about... Oh, this was introduced in this? I thought
0: this was always around. Uh, the archetypes, I believe, are only for the core classes. Clerics also get some subdomains, which is also newly introduced in this book, instead of archetypes. they've. I've heard Piles talk a lot about how archetypes are hard to do for clerics. Apparently it has something to do with like how few actual class options they get. I, I don't understand it completely, but it is
1: true. It's because all they have is channel energy that's like their only actual class feature and domains so that's why every cleric archetype replaces channel energy it's the only thing they have to replace
0: Hmm. well sorcerers get bloodlines instead and wizards get arcane schools instead we also get the first alternate class They don't quite call it that but we get the anti-paladin we get new barbarian rage powers and rogue talents as well
1: which i find interesting the barbarian rage powers and the rogue talents Because even in the advanced player's guide, they were trying to give those two classes more love because I guess they felt like they didn't get enough in the core book and both of them ended up getting an unchained version.
0: That's true. Hmm. Good point. I guess they thought they could fix it with just more content, better options, and that didn't end up being the perfect solution.
1: The classes are great. I love the base classes. All of them are good, fun to play, incredibly flavorful. I think these are some of the best design classes in the game.
0: Really, Christian? You think the Summoner is one of the best design classes I'm in the game? I'm sticking
1: huh? my foot in my mouth. One second, I haven't stretched in a while. Here it goes. <laughs>
0: ah, no, oh no.
1: You can't hear the chomp, but yeah, no. Summoner was a uh, Summoner was something. It was definitely something. We got we can get in a whole discussion about Summoner. Uh, this was the introduction of the most overpowered class in Pathfinder ever.
0: Well, to be fair, I don't think the archetype that is widely considered what took so much advantage of the summoner is in this book
1: true the master summoner and the synthesis summoner
0: uh but i agree with you like these classes are cool i recently learned a lot about the oracle which sort of is like the sorcerer for divine spells way the and still added some new and interesting things i don't know why but i know a ton of people love the witch whenever i try to build a witch I so don't see a ton of combat implementation. It's all stuff like you curse them for weird dreams. That doesn't help me when I'm fighting, you know, three Rougaroos <laughs> or whatever. But okay. Look at him. He's running. Look, he's dreaming. He's running. <laughs> don't make me laugh. That hurts. My surgery wound. Speaking of surgery wounds, the urologist, I went to him and he continued the trend of not believing me. You were referred by another doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently that doctor didn't have enough good standing within the state of Missouri to be trusted because he also fondled me. And when he was feeling around, he was, he was talking about why do you want the surgery? And I was talking about, well, you know, there's pain as well. I would love to not have to manage this pain every day with certain kinds of underwear and it would help during sex and things like that. That we're, I just have pain from excess movement without support. And then he he kind of pinched him. on, am like, ow, ow. And he kind of goes, oh, does that hurt? Does that hurt? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, it's your vast deference. What is this like? Catch-22 trick question! Is it, oh, do you have it? Is this it? What are you doing to me? I don't understand. Why would you? What does that solve for you? What are you trying to prove by trick questioning me, pinching a sensitive part in my testicle, in my sack? To try, I guess, connect. I, I don't know if you would technically call that part of the testicles. It's sort of a transitionary tube. The point is, I don't get why the trick question. But he did eventually believe me, saw through all my lies, and believed me that I had it. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. A lot of men, this will correlate with a low sperm count. So we're going to get you a test, and we'll test your semen so we can have something compared to before and after to see if there's a change. I said, okay, that that sounds fine. I was wrong. (laughs) That was not fine. And we're going to learn all about what a semen test actually means in this next episode of Dragon Ball
1: (laughs) Z, Chapter three feats is 26 pages. Christian, tell us about these feats. In total, there are 166 feats, and that's a lot. They introduce a lot of different types of feats. They introduce a lot of good feats, useful feats. I think, overall, this is a really good list. We had some extra feats in the core book. You had, like, extra lay on hands, extra keys. They continued that trend here. You got extra hexes, extra bombs, extra discoveries, extra rage powers, extra revelation, extra rogue talents. So, again, a little love to the barbarian and the rogue here. They didn't have those options in core, which kind of blows my mind. They were, well guess it doesn't blow my mind. It's not like you would want an extra rogue talent. That's stupid.
0: <laughs>
1: uh But the other ones are like the crux of how I build those classes. If I'm building an alchemist, I am taking extra discoveries. If I build an oracle, you better believe I'm taking extra revelations. I don't think they're complete classes without it. There's an incredibly important feat here for anyone that uses two-handed weapons called furious focus. When you use power attack with a two-handed weapon, a.k.a. every fighter ever... You ignore the penalty on your first attack each round. So effectively, level one, you're getting a plus one to your attack rolls. You know, level five, level six, you're getting a plus two, a plus three to your attack rolls effectively. It's insanely strong. Did a two-handed build. This was a crucial part of it. Allowed me to get my person that was doing over 100 damage. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I couldn't do anything else, but I could sunder. (laughs) Speaking of sundering, there were some combat maneuvers introduced in this book. Not sunder, but we'll see later they introduced things like steel, reposition, dirty trick, and drag. And with the introduction of those combat maneuvers, they also added improved and greater versions of those combat maneuvers. So you have improved steel, reposition, dirty trick, drag, which are the simple, you don't invoke an attack of opportunity, you get a plus two to it. And then greater versions of dirty trick, drag, and steel. The hero point system was introduced in this book, and with that comes some feats, or at least one feat, that uses hero points, and it's called Hero's Fortune, which just gives you an additional hero point when you take it. And the maximum number of hero points you can have goes up from 3 to 5.
0: We get Deep Sight, allowing you to increase your dark vision, which is nice.
1: Lingering performance for the bard, a pretty staple feat for most bard builds, and especially some archetypes. When a bard stops their bardic performance the benefits of the performance last for two additional rounds. So effectively, you are tripling the number of rounds per day you can perform if you are starting and stopping in combat. And certain archetypes, like the archaeologists, make incredible use of this. We get
0: Eclectic, which allows you to get a second favorite class. I didn't really realize until this point... Really, only half-elf? Was that even possible? Still, I think it's way better as a class feature than it is as a feat when it comes power level-wise. It's hard to waste a feat on that, but still, you got that option now.
1: The step-up feat chain was introduced here, which is when someone takes a five-foot step away from you, you follow them. And there's also the follow-up feat, step-up, and strike, which is if someone takes a five-foot step away from you, you follow them, and then you smack them in the face. (laughs) In a game that is literally everyone taking a five-foot step every round... I think this is a criminally underplayed feat chain. I think it's stupid strong. It completely guts spellcasters. It guts archers if you get up in their face. No one can five foot step away from the melee character anymore.
0: I think it's really interesting because... You almost five foot step as much as you move. There's a lot of options there for like you increase your move speed and stuff. And there's rarely you find stuff like this. Yeah, let's interact with the five foot step. Hmm.
1: So, if you are a fighter or you are any class that gets bonus feats and you are in melee, I highly suggest this feat chain. It will actually change the way that you play the game and the way that enemies can actually play around you. Parry spell sounds like something super cool that you want to do. It requires 15 ranks in spellcraft and the improved counter spell feat. If you successfully counter a spell, you send it back to the caster as if using spell turning. It sounds amazing, but in reality, I am willing to bet this has never happened once. (laughs) If any of you are claiming that you have successfully used parry spell, you're lying. You are in a fugue state. I don't believe you.
0: Uh, I literally have spell turning... Spell on a character I've used and I have not been able to cast it once because guess what most casters have a high will save Guess how you break spell turning a will save Mm. Uh, (laughs) It's a really cool effect. It's also extremely complicated.
1: I guess you'd have to target Sorcerers with it because they tend to have charisma not wisdom, but yeah They all have high will saves for the most part. It's a it's a spell anyway. Why, Why would I pick a feat? That's a spell I can cast the spell. Well, I mean, only Wizard and Summoner have it on their spell list, Christian. Wow. Fine. So instead, at level 15, don't pick parry spell. Pick the <laughs> best spell casting feat, Spell Perfection. It requires 15 ranks in spellcraft and three metamagic feats. You pick any of your spells you know. Whenever you cast that spell, you add a metamagic that you know to it, for free. But you can't bring the spells level over level 9. It also has the benefit that if you have any feat that increases the numerals of your spells, such as spell focus, you double them. So instead of adding a plus 1 to the DC, your spell focus now adds plus 2.
0: Oh wow, Romans must love them, given that you said numerals <laughs> and not numeric bonuses. I can't wait to add my IV to all my spells. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I really got you. Your own stupidity really made you laugh there, Christian.
1: I'm casting Fireball I.I. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it requires X amount of guano. <laughs> I don't know what X is Wow I'll just throw it back Is that
1: a variable Or (laughs) Do I have to solve For X now Oh no
0: It's a good thing There's no Roman numeral N
1: So this feat Is absolutely bonkers It's a crux Of basically Every spellcaster Ever Pick it at level 15 Definitely awesome We get some love in the feats for sword and board builds that make them a little bit more desirable. You're still probably going to play a two-handed fighter anyway, but that's okay. You get missile shield, which is kind of like deflect arrows, but as long as you're holding a shield. And there is shield specialization, which is... You add the bonus of your shield to your combat maneuver defense, which now means that as someone with a shield, you actually have better, much better defensive options than someone with a two-handed sword. Your CMD is going to be crazy high, knock arrows, bullets, whatever, once around out of the air. Doesn't affect you all, doesn't target your AC, just, it just happens. It just works. Yes, my reflex
0: is four, but yes, I can also deflect bullets.
1: (laughs) It's not in this book, but there's also a feat somewhere where you add your Shields bonus to your reflex saves against AoE spells, or AoE effects. In the words of Todd Howard, it just works. With the addition of Cavalier and Inquisitor, these are both classes that care about teamwork feats. We don't get a lot of super useful teamwork feats in here, honestly, but we get one of the best ones, which is Outflank. As long as you and someone else with this teamwork feat are flanking somebody, you increase the bonus from flanking to a plus four. So effectively giving you a plus two to hit, really good. Crazy good for Inquisitor because the Inquisitor does not require his teammates to have it. He basically always flanks with a plus four four bonus. I like teamwork feats that have a good value like this, but also ones that change the way that you play the game. If the Cavalier activates his Tactician ability, gives everyone outflank, well, now your whole team's going to be focused on changing their game plan and getting that flanking bonus, maybe taking a little bit more risk to get into that flanking position. We get Racial Heritage which has been the subject of many a shenanigans. If you're a human, you pick one non-human race, and that's like your ancestry somewhere in your bloodline, and you count as that race. You can pick archetypes, you can use items, you can use spells from that race. So you could do something like be a feral nasher human. What's a feral nasher? That is a barbarian archetype for goblins that is made for them to bite things <laughs> and grab them with their mouth.
0: Christian, I want to be a vampire, but I do not want to be a vampire. What do I do?
1: Well, if you take racial heritage dampier. Or honestly, Feral Nashville
0: would still kind of work for this. I can make a zombie build. I can make a zombie build! I can pull off a piece of beef jerky off your neck like in Resident Evil 2. Why does it look like beef jerky? (laughs) Anyone
1: who's playing the remake, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, have you ever seen your neck arteries? Like, maybe that's what it looks like. No. I don't know, maybe I don't have them.
0: Let's have somebody fondle my neck and try to believe me or not.
1: <laughs> does that hurt when I pinch there, Caleb? That's your Yeah, yeah, it does. That's your Adam's apple. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making things up. <laughs> I can see your balls physically swelling, but I think you're lying. Last one I'm going to point out is Steel Soul. Dwarf has that racial trait that says you get a plus two... On your saving throws against spells and spell-like abilities, this increases it to a plus four. Insanely powerful. The dwarf saving throws are dummy thick. It, this is such a stupidly strong feat.
0: Did you just say dummy thick without sort of a lot of joking or funny voice? You just kind of you just kind of snuck it in there as if people say that normally. Colonel. No, <laughs> stop it. But I'm dummy thick. Speaking of things that are dummy thick. <laughs> So they have me do a semen test, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't talk about the viscosity of your semen. (laughs) You went there. I didn't. So it makes sense. Let's do the semen test. It seems pretty easy. I do it often enough. What's doing it under some other conditions? Who gives a crap? Well, I didn't consider that meant I had to save up. I had to not masturbate for five to seven days, and little did I know that was going to be a challenge because apparently I'm a degenerate. I don't know if a lot of you out there have had reason to not masturbate for five to seven days, but it is hard for me to do it. I forget how many days I think I ended up being six days. It passes. I go to the place. I'm ready to burst. I cannot stand it. I saw an extra curvy pixel the other day and had to resist. I go, They. you know, you go in there. What do you expect? You expect a dirty room with porn mags and all that stuff as if I couldn't get off to literally anything, to an idea, to an abstract idea, to some weird geometry. I'm ready to go. I was playing the N64 going, hmm, look at Star Fox. I pulled Star Fox out of just space and time. I could have gone with a lot of other ones. I'm not sure why I went with Star Fox. I am going to stick with it though. However, I go there and it's a lady and she tells, Here's what you gotta do. And uh gives me a little cup and I, she goes, You can go and do in that room there. I go in the room. It's just a bathroom. It's just a clean bathroom. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't need porn mags. First off, not only can I not do it without one at five days, I could not do it without one in like 12 hours. Also, Everyone has a phone. If I did need some help, I bet I could find it pretty easily. <laughs> I could type in literally anything on the internet. By the sixth or seventh result, you'll find one. Christian found horse and eventually found porn eventually in there. It's just going to happen. <laughs> However, all of these pale into the problem. Christian, have you ever been tested on the accuracy of your ejaculation? I, I can't say I have been. This was a feat of strength that they had applied to me here. They gave me a cup. It didn't have a funnel. It didn't have a funnel shape. It was just a small cup, like one you would urinate into for a urine test. And I had to get semen in there. They also informed me it's very important you get all of it in there. Okay. Christian, I went into positions I've never been in before. To try to get this to work. Because when you're jerking it, it's going in all sorts of directions. It's not just like a steel rod sticking to one spot. You move your hand up and down. It's 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 malleable. It's moving with your hand, Christian. You understand. It's art, really. <laughs> I'm in there trying not to make a Jackson Pollock painting on the walls and on the floor. I'm doing it sitting on the toilet. Nope, this ain't working here. I'm standing up. I'm putting my leg up. Christian, I'm like, I'm like upside down doing somersaults. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how I did it I remember it was not satisfying and after six days of not ejaculating it should be satisfying it should be a relief it was not it was upsetting but I did it and they did the best favor they could have possibly done to me when she gave me the cup, she said, just put it on the desk when you're done and you're free to go. We have everything else. She didn't wait to handle the finances afterwards. She wasn't even sitting at the desk. For as much as I'm open about, hey, my pants are already down, fondle away, there's still a little bit of a barrier there, even if it shouldn't be, If I don't want to hand my semen to a woman across the counter. <laughs> I say woman, to a man across the counter. To anyone across the counter, it's just one step too far for me, Christian. Who knows that was the step it was. But that was the step I didn't want to do when they were so nice and I had so much forethought. It was just an empty counter. Put it there. Leave. You don't have to worry. Okay, thanks. Bye. I'm out of there. Oof. Let me tell you guys. Accuracy is not men's strong suit. For you women out there who are like, yeah, it's, it's a problem. Okay. The only reason we get it inside you is because we're surrounded by vagina. There's nowhere else for it to go. So mission accomplished, Christian. We now move on. To chapter
1: four, equipment. There's 14 pages. Like, you look uncomfortable. What's wrong? I'm just wondering. Maybe she was gone. Like, how long were you in there trying to get this to work? Were they closed? Like, well, given
0: that the fact that I'm not the only male in existence, I'm sure very often it took that long because no one's ever considered how do you get your semen into a small, like two-inch diameter cup.
1: Like, maybe they just never got that feedback. Maybe you should bring it up to them. You know, workshop something. <laughs> That's because no one's going to go up there. Hey, by the way, can I have a wider cup? I'm shooting <laughs> all over
0: the place. Of course they haven't gotten that feedback, Christian. <laughs> you could change the world for men everywhere, Caleb. No, because first off, two things you don't do. One, it's like, okay, what we'll do is we'll just do like a catheter sort of thing, right? We'll just shove it up in there. No, I do not need that. No, thank you. I'll figure out the cup. Also, if you say you need help, they go, oh, yeah, no problem. And stick a finger up your butt and massage the prostate. I'm not interested in that at all. At all. At all, <laughs> that is not the way I need to ejaculate. Listen, I'm a simple man, Christian. I don't even use a lotion. I'm it's just a plain old hand going guy. I don't need extra stuff. I certainly do not need my prostate massage. <laughs> this is so much, Christian. To, you look uncomfortable. We're so just talking about chapter get. three feats. Let's move on to chapter four equipment. Maybe you'll be less giddy about that. Fourteen pages in chapter four equipment. We don't get a ton of new weapons and armor, but we do get some. There's a couple of looked-over items that, like the theme is here so far, how is this not in the core, like a tent and a blanket. The weapon cord makes its introduction here, which was famously broken and then nerfed via errata. We get a few new alchemical items like universal solvent and Acalmas kindness, which I see used a lot. I forgot to mention, when we were going through the feats, those were not all the feats. Those were just some that we were bringing up just as illustration, just as I'm doing
1: now. Uh, we get loaded dice and marked cards, which I've used in the past, but really not a lot. It's only 14 pages. To highlight some of the weapons that were introduced that are important, uh, we can thank the Advanced Player's Guide for the monstrosity that is the Falcata. If you want an extended times 3 crit range, you know where to look for it.
0: Oh man, you know what the best part about Chapter 4 being short is? Uh, I, I have no idea. We can get back to talking about my ball. <laughs> so, I do... The semen test, were beyond it, and we're ready for surgery. Surgery time, Christian. I have to fast for 12 hours. Now, contrary to popular belief, not a big deal for me. I have been off of fast food for over two weeks. Now, that's right off of it with, I think I had McDonald's because i'm recovering and i deserved it aside from that i have gone
1: <laughs> picks up a big mac i earned this <laughs>
0: i did christian uh i've gone like cold turkey off of fast food has not resulted in weight loss because for two weeks now i've not moved from my chair unfortunately so uh i didn't gain weight hopefully i'll see some weight loss afterwards when i can get back to work but the point is i was good so 12 hours no fasting is not a big problem i was pretty calm throughout the whole thing uh yes For everyone wondering, this time I did wear the gown correctly, (laughs) if everyone remembers my story from last time. However, this question came a lot. Probably the question you don't want to hear once came maybe 15 times. So what are we doing to you today? Shouldn't you know? Isn't that an answer you should have? Everyone kept checking, and I don't know the name of the surgery, so I'm like, we're taking care of varicocele? That's correct. I didn't mention my testicles. I didn't mention which testicle, but that was enough for them. I'm a little concerned. Then they asked me which one. I'm like, I think it's the left. Again, I would love if, if you know. <laughs> okay, left makes a little mark on my pubic area. I'm like, hmm, Okay. All right. I mean, I'm making jokes. We all understand that people's had the wrong limbs amputated before. They're, they asked us a billion times to verify and make sure at the end of this, we asked you a hundred times. You had a hundred opportunities to tell us we had the wrong testicle. But everything was right. We got it all right. I just like to make jokes about it. And they go to put in the IV for me. They put it in my hand. And she says, uh, "All right, pump your feet." And uh, have you ever had an IV before? You probably haven't had a lot before, right? And I'm like, "Well, actually, I have had IV before. I've been in the hospital a lot of times sure for my poison." All right, we're done. Oh, so you really you didn't want to hear sort of the answer to your question, did you? Because I was going to get to the point where I said I've actually even had it in my hand before because my arm was so swollen. With you really didn't care about. All right, that that's fine. And I why did you have me pump my feet? No one's ever done that before. Oh, it kind of gets the blood flowing. Okay, I think the heart does that, but okay. Uh, <laughs> She goes, Ed, you got to admit, it distracted you a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. I didn't really, I'm, I'm, you do see I'm 29 years old, right? <laughs> I don't need to be distracted from having an IV put in my hand. <laughs> you didn't even ask if I was sensitive about it. I'm sure there's some people like, oh, no needles. I'm not that. All right, fine. All right. Treat me like a child.
1: Here, don't worry. If you do, if you're really nice the whole time, we'll give you a lollipop at the end of it. All right, we're going to stick the point thing. And you just look up at this mobile over here, spins it with their hand. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <wow. laughs> swatting at it like a cat (laughs) so after they play these tricks
0: on me like i'm three years old and also don't know what they're doing to me they wheel me in to the the operating theater and at that time they're kind of making small talk which i I just didn't get used to i understand this is their everyday for them and they're talking about the knicks game or whatever the heck's happening (laughs) i another thing i've just taken out of the air i don't know if the knicks are a baseball thing a football thing for i know they're a soccer thing However, in this world, we're now calling them a football thing. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're talking about whatever the heck they're talking about. And the guy's like, all right, so we're going to be putting you under anesthesia, which they already talked about before. And I'm like, oh, great, because I want to take a nap. And he kind of laughed about it. He goes, you don't have to joke and lie about being nervous. I'm like, lie? Why does everyone think I'm (laughs) lying about everything? I'm just not nervous. And I worked the night shift. I had three hours of sleep before the surgery. I would like to take a nap. And I was out. I was out. But Christian, do I put out a dishonest vibe? No.
1: Do I seem like I'm always lying? I don't think so.
0: I don't know what it is!
1: You, you tell me all the time that y- you hate me and you want to kick me off the show, and I believe it when you say that. <laughs> like, I do not think you're lying. I just think you have no other option.
0: <laughs> well, Christian, I am out. Let us now move on to talk about spells, which is chapter 5. Here, 70 pages of spells. 267 spells, Christian.
1: Yikes. That is a lot of spells it's a heck of a lot of spells that's too many spells honestly
0: i will say that like in the core rulebook, book and like they pretty much illustrate through the rest of all their books they display the spells really well with first a list by each class and each spell level and then giving you the details of all the spells it's really well organized
1: so we're just going to pick some of the spells that we think are interesting uh right off the bat first one i picked alphabetical order ant hall i'm already having problems with it so, Ant Hall. Oh, no,
0: here we go. You and carrying stuff, we had this with, what,
1: what was it? It doesn't make any sense, it doesn't make any sense. So, All right, go on, go so, on, no, explain it. Ant Hall says, you're carrying capacity triples. So, that's cool, if I have 18 strength, you know, normally I can carry a heavy load of 300 pounds, triples to 900 pounds, that's crazy. But it specifies, it doesn't increase your strength. Okay, I can carry 900 pounds, but I can't lift 900 pounds? How do I get to the point where I'm carrying it then? You can cast it communally and then have you and all your friends now able to carry 900 pounds of stuff and just carry stuff away. It's kind of crazy, actually, how much you can carry with this spell. When your DM asks the question of how are you carrying the gold statue out of this dungeon, you say, well, I have a scroll of ant hall. It's a level one spell. It's like 50 gold. I'm taking it with me. I don't know how I'm picking it up. But I can carry it, but I can't pick it up. I don't understand the distinction there.
0: Says the man when I brought up the same exact concept of how you're picking it up, argued that you could pick up an entire village. You could. (laughs) The waffling is strong with this one. What's a waffling? What's a waffling? (laughs) It's what they say when I enter a (laughs) dance.
1: The waffling has begun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We get acid pit, level four spell. Yes, more pit spells. I've used them to great effect in the past. I had a caster which I failed almost all of my rolls except for Acid Pit because it requires them to roll (laughs) also they just fall pits work all the time so we get acid pit this starts with a nice trend of making pit spells interesting by adding parts about it like we also get hungry pit in this one i think there was a
1: couple pits too i think there was like bladed pit might be in here as well
0: the point is the more pits the better
1: oh yeah the first very first create pit is added here spiked pit that's one thing i'm not bladed spiked very different You you know, bladed pit, I can handle. Spiked, mm, no, get me out of there.
0: Blades just hurt you while you're in the pit. Spiked pit, I can't climb out of there without getting little pokes, all right? That's why they put barbed wire on stuff.
1: We get arrow eruption, which is the kind of spell and you see it and you're like, wow, that sounds cool. Arrow eruption, you target it at a corpse that was slain by an arrow in the last round. You make a duplicate of that arrow, and it fires at everyone nearby. That's super cool. Your ranger shoots someone in the back of the head with an arrow, casts a spell, makes a copy of that arrow to attack everyone else. That's like the coolest visual. I want to cast this. But it's just like so needlessly restrictive, you'd rather cast any other spell instead. They have to be killed by specifically an arrow. Okay, well, I don't really get the... Is this League of Legends? I have to last hit them now? We care about who's last (laughs) hitting? So you have to last hit them with the arrow, get a little bit of golden experience. It only is a 30-foot range, so now you need to kill someone, and all their friends just have to be buddy-buddy standing around them 30 feet. You make a duplicate of the arrow, but guess what? Any special properties on the arrow are not copied. So if you cast true strike, or if you enhanced it with something, nope, just an arrow shoots out. Okay, well, why why don't I just shoot an arrow? Why don't I just shoot one instead of casting this stupid spell? I want it to be cool. I want it to be so cool, Caleb. It sounds cool I'll, I'll have an npc cast at some point so my players should be like oh that's cool and i'd be like no you're wrong it's not cool
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just like to find opportunities where you can say to your players no you're wrong i've
1: tricked you that's,
0: that's your vast deference
1: <laughs> <laughs> we get a spell i didn't know exist bard's escape it's a level five bard spell so very high level spell it's basically an AoE Dimension Door. You and up to X amount of allies, you can just teleport them and move their positions as per Dimension Door. It's pretty nutty. Uh, You basically get to completely reconfigure everyone's positioning in a fight. So if your fighter is in the back line and your wizard's being flanked, well now you can just flip them around. Suddenly the fight is in your favor. Really crazy good spell. Beguiling Gift, a witch type spell. It's a level one arcane spell. You offer an item to somebody And if they fail their saving throw, they have to use the item. So if you offer them a potion, they have to drink it. If you give them a hat, they put on the hat. If you give them a sword, they wield the sword. It's a really niche spell, but it's really, really versatile. And I'm sure everyone, when they hear Beguiling Gift, is thinking of giving someone something different than I am. Maybe you give them a holy weapon and they're an unholy person and, you know, it hurts them to hold that weapon. Maybe you give them a filter of love and they fall in love with the first thing they see. Doesn't matter. Maybe you just give them a bunch of super glue and they stick their hands together. And it's just kind of a nice laugh everyone has. We get Blessing of Fervor. It's a level four divine spell. It does a bunch of stuff. You and all your allies pick from this list of things at the beginning of the round that say, oh, you get a plus two to attack rolls. Or you can stand up from prone as a swift action. Or, what is this? You get an additional attack at your highest base attack bonus. This is haste for divine spellcasters and options for non-martial characters. Blessing of Fervor is one of the best spells. I absolutely love this spell.
0: I love spells that let the people who have gotten them cast on it, or that's the worst way to say that, who have received the spell, to pick how it affects them. There's a couple spells that do that, and I love them so much.
1: And at some point, through the course of a fight, you will probably find reason to use at least one of every one of the iterations of Blessing of Forever. Borrow Fortune is an oracle spell, it's a level 3 spell, it is an immediate action, you immediately re-roll a d20 and take the better result of the two rolls, but... As cost to this, you have to, for the next two rounds, roll twice and take the worst result of all your d20 rolls. Really interesting trade-off. It has a lot of this flavor of oracles get to kind of interact with fate in some way and their curses and luck. I think it's a very, very strong spell, especially if it's like the end of a fight. You know the fight's not going on for two more rounds. If you cast this at the end of a fight to roll twice and take the better result of an attack roll, you know, you don't have to worry about those two rounds after, because that's 12 seconds. Got the spell Castigate and Mass Castigate. It is a level two Inquisitor spell. If the target fails their saving throw, it forces the creature to beg for forgiveness, if they worship the same god as you, they take a minus two to their saving throw. I think this is a wonderfully flavorful Inquisitor spell. It's like quintessential Inquisitor. Big, scary Inquisitor guy shows up. The strong arm of the church. Mass castigate. Everyone's begging him for forgiveness. Even though they worship the same god as him, we're like, we're not worthy enough. Like, you are the big mahoncho of the church. We get the slightly morbid spell, Create Treasure Map. It's a level two spell that a lot of classes can cast. You take a big strip of skin off a dead creature, and it creates a map of all the valuables that that creature knew of in life. And this is the kind of spell that you can make like a whole campaign off of. You can kick off all entire campaign with the create treasure map on some important NPC and reveals a map of the cool stuff they knew
0: I agree I love stuff like this that gives you opportunities to create a whole campaign also GMs can hate that when the spell comes out of the blue you didn't know it existed one of your players casts it on one of your important (laughs) dead NPCs which you cannot argue he didn't know anything this was the major bad guy of the campaign oh no what do I do now (laughs) Uh, oh look the next room has a
1: mace (laughs) <laughs> there is stipulations that, like, it only creates a map of things that are true at the time of casting. So if the treasure moves, it the map doesn't update. And it only shows what the person to believe is true. So if the person, like, was fanatical and thought, like, oh, there's a big treasure vault down here and they truly believe that, you would see that they thought there was treasure here. There might be nothing there, but they simply believed that there was something there. We get Dragon's Breath, a level 4 arcane spell, kind of the iconic... Sorcerer wizard spell that allows you to do one of the various types of dragon breaths.
0: Definitely
1: cool. In the summoner's court, we have evolution surge, lesser evolution surge, and greater evolution surge. A one, two, and three spells
0: that I've been using to dab on my GM the past couple sessions. My recent campaign where I'm playing a summoner. Yeah, this evolution surge, evolution surge. I'm quick in metamagic evolution surge. My Edelon is now acting like a level 27 Edelon.
1: Yeah, this is one of the crazier spells for. Summoners, so you, you you get a small pool of evolution points and you immediately apply that an evolution of that cost to your edelon So the edelon evolution list is insanely powerful. It's got an option for literally everything
0: Oh, what's that? I got hit by an acid dragon? Acid immunity. Done.
1: Exactly. You're the ultimate Swiss army knife with the spell. You got instant enemy. If you're a ranger, you're taking instant enemy That's not a question. That's a command. That is an order. You're taking this every time <laughs> It's a level three ranger spell, it's a swift action. It offers no saving throw, and it is not subject to spell resistance. You simply designate an enemy, and you say, they're my favorite enemy now. I am going to apply my highest favorite enemy bonus to this creature. what? A swift action, you get a plus six to attack and damage rolls against this person. It's 100% busto, you you take it every time. We get Knight's Calling, it's a level one paladin spell. And this is an attempt at like a tank spell. You, You cast this on an enemy, if they fail their saving throw, they have to approach you because you're calling them to a challenge. And if they end their turn adjacent to you, you get to make an attack of opportunity against them. So at least you still get an attack. There's been a lot of spells like this that's like, oh, we forced the enemy to come toward you. Well, uh, I could have just walked over to him. Does that really get me any further? So y- you don't waste your turn. You still get to attack them. We get Phantasmal Revenge, a level 7 arcane spell. You cast this on a corpse and a spectral image of the... Person who is dead appears and tries to kill whoever killed them. It seeks them out unerringly as long as they're on the same plane. The caster knows whether or not the phantasm was successful in killing the party or not. I think this is a really interesting spell for your NPCs to use as long as you know that's not going to like outright kill your players because it does a ton of damage. The the ghost just shows up and does like 10 damage per caster level, which is insane. At level 7, that's like 140 damage because you're level 14, probably. Your, Your players kill someone, they're just walking around. Oh no, it's the ghost of that guy, and he just nuked the Bard. What just happened? For the Bard, we get a series of spells called Finales. Finales are spells that require you to end a Bardic performance in order to cast them, which synergizes very well with lingering performance. The one I want to highlight is probably the best one. It's called Saving Finale. It's a level one spell. It's an immediate action. You end your bardic performance and allow an ally to reroll a saving throw, which we always talk about. Rerolling is a very, very powerful mechanic. With the introduction of hero points in this book, there's some spells that interact with hero points. Sever Fate is a level three divine spell. Target fails their saving throw. They can't use hero points for 10 minutes a level. Which, if you have people who are relying highly on that system or using it, could be interesting. It's a way to hurt your players without, like, killing their characters. Hurt the characters. Don't hurt your players. You shouldn't do that. Shadow Projection is a level 4 arcane spell. You kind of possess your own shadow, and you actually become your shadow, and your body's just kind of sitting comatose wherever. And you're able to just fly around and be a shadow. Wonderful scouting spell. Really cool, I think, NPC spell. It's a way that an enemy can interact with the party without the party just outright killing them. It's just his shadow every time. Last one I'm pointing out is Summon Edelon. It's a level 2 Summoner spell. Remember how the Summoner had, like, this entire drawback that in order to summon their Edelon, it took a 10-minute ritual? N- forget about that. Never mind. Just cast Summon Edelon. One full round action, there it is. Pow. Woo!
0: I like the restrictions it adds. It sort of then makes them have to live by the summon monster rules of when they disappear. They can be affected by certain other spells and things like that. It's a really cool trade-off. I myself, as a summoner, looked at the spell and didn't pick it because I thought to myself, you know what? If I lose my Eidolon, I have innate ability to cast Summon Monster. You know X, as in the variable. As you know, a certain amount of times I'll just summon one of those creatures instead. Speaking about summoning things to consciousness, let's talk about my reaction to anesthesia. Uh, I punched a nurse. Like in the mouth? I was told that I was the calmest pre-op patient and the most violent post-op patient they've ever had. I was flailing around so bad they couldn't put one of those what looks like a blood pressure cuff around my arm to get my vitals. I woke up and I was thrashing back and forth and apparently there was a good 20 minutes before I remember being conscious where I was conscious, punching nurses left and right, (laughs) violently throwing myself around. They had to get my wife to come in and my wife has a magical ability with just her touch calms me down. One of the most angriest moments I've ever had in my life. I was stopped from making a mistake and doing something in anger by simply my wife putting her hand on my hand. It's it's a magical power and apparently it applies to anesthesized Caleb because she came in and it helped calm me down for a while. And she said she she said she knew the moment I actually had true consciousness because the first words out of my mouth were subscribe to PewDiePie. <laughs> And it's just a disappointment <laughs> that we didn't have it on video and I could have uploaded to his subreddit. Oh, well, the disappointment. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of pain first. I bit my lip in the violent thrashing, so that hurts. So I went through a chorus of the same three things over and over again. I'd say it hurts down there because apparently anesthesized Caleb doesn't want to say penis or balls or pelvic area. So just down there was what he said. My lip hurts and my throat hurts. And each time my wife would just be like, it's okay, it's because they did the surgery. I'm like, how, how did it go? It went well. My, my, my lips hurt. Yeah, you bit your lip. My throat hurts. Yeah, they had to put a tube down your throat for you to breathe. And she just had to answer those questions for 20 minutes over and over and over again because anesthetized Caleb doesn't have any sort of permanence. And she said she at one point she thought maybe I just don't have to answer his questions in which I became violently worried. So she had to answer the questions <laughs> each time. And uh, so the reason my throat was hurting, as she explained, was they put those uh, breathing tubes down my throat during the surgery, as is standard procedure. I imagine if it wasn't standard procedure, they would do it to me because I'm fat and that made it so I practically have sleep apnea. I snore the whole time and if I'm on my back, my wife literally has to shove me onto my stomach otherwise I stop breathing. Probably a bad thing. Probably should get that fixed. I won't. I'm um, <laughs> looking to lose weight to fix it is my solution here. It hasn't worked in three years, but I'm, I'm excited about the next couple months. So – Apparently now I know what it's like to deep throat a horse, because have you seen those tubes? They are long and they are ribbed for my displeasure. So no wonder my freaking throat hurt for a couple days. And I realized, to my horror, when we're getting ready to go. Oh no, Christian, I can't jack off for another couple days again. The nightmare continues.
1: So my headcanon for this is that you woke up. And they thought you were conscious, and the nurse told you, like, you you know, here's the thing: you, you can't masturbate, and then you punched her right in the mouth.
0: <laughs> it's possible. I don't remember answering any of these, getting the answers to these questions. It's it's like fine, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can. <laughs> oh jeez, you you jerk off all you want, please. Stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i find it interesting to find how different people react to anesthesia the two times that i've went under i've been fine i just kind of woke up and they were like you can go i was like really like we have to put you in a wheelchair i was like i don't need to go in a wheelchair like we have to put you." oh in i the- was
0: excited it was like a ride for me i'm like we i was very happy to be in that wheelchair i didn't want to get out and no i had surgery on my pelvis moving was uncomfortable
1: the last time i i had a surgery i woke up but the first thing I remember being truly conscious, was like I was actually just like putting my pants on. I was in another room putting my pants on. I stopped for a second. I was like, <laughs> how did I get here? I already have my shirt on. Why did I prioritize my shirt over my pants? Whatever. I'm putting my pants <laughs> all the way on. It was actually uh, my penis hurt because they I had to get a cystoscopy. What's that? It's kind of like a colonoscopy. Instead of putting a camera up your butt, they put a camera in your pee hole.
0: I like the way you sang that. just <laughs> what a beautiful yeah. voice you have. May I ask why you had that?
1: I, I peed blood for a little while after that. That wasn't fun. Okay, uh, yeah, but
0: why did they do it in the first place?
1: I was, having, it, I was having this weird problem where, like, it hurt when I peed. I was like, ow, am I an old man? What's going on? They couldn't find anything wrong with me. They tested everything. They're like, there's nothing wrong with you. So they did the cystoscopy. And they were like, you know we still haven't really found anything wrong with you. Just your prostate's a little big. I was like, thanks. Thanks for the compliment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shucks. You shouldn't have. The good news is that you did learn that you were into sounding.
1: (laughs) Please, no. That's a new experience The fun thing I learned, I think I saved a pill. Uh, They give you this medicine to make it less painful to urinate. And it turns your urine like I'm talking Nickelodeon slime orange. It's hilarious. (laughs) It stains everything bright orange. It looks like a melted creamsicle (laughs) pop.
0: Oh, no, no, I think I know what's wrong with you, Christian. You have a creepsicle.
1: <laughs> Fun fact, it didn't just color your urine either. It was anything that is uh, released from the penis. So did your balls
0: turn orange? I mean, with all the pee stored in there, I'm, I'm sure it eventually came through, right? No, they did not.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: Well, you're going to learn a lot about my balls right after we talk about Chapter 6, Prestige Classes, 22 pages. We're getting eight new prestige classes. Christian, I don't care about prestige classes. Are these ones good enough to change my mind?
1: <laughs> Whenever you ask the question, are these prestige classes good? You know the answer. The answer is no. <laughs> um, some of these are okay. We can do a quick speed run. All right, you got the battle herald. It's bard slash cavalier. If you, if you were a bard and a cavalier multi-class, take battle herald because you scale both at the same time.
0: What an interesting combination to be.
1: It's like a battlefield, like you're telling people on the battlefield with your charisma what to do sort of thing. It's interesting. While You're
0: up there playing bagpipes.
1: (laughs) You got the Holy Vindicator, which is a holy warrior that cuts themselves for strength. Their main mechanic is stigmata. They cut themselves and they bleed, and as they bleed, they get more strength.
0: Mm, I'm glad we put mechanical options here for this wretched thing in religion.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Horizon Walker. It's literally a prestige class that just gets a ton of favored terrains. That's it. That's all it does. Uh, Master Chemist is probably the most interesting here. It's for the Alchemist. When you drink your Mutagen, you actually get an alternate personality. It's almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type scenario. Where you actually, you pick a personality and alignment and you're, whenever you use your mutagen, you actually become effectively a different person, entirely new name, entirely new personality. I think that's an awesome thing for an NPC and it actually physically changed you so you can actually appear to be a different person. So you could have oh, cool. an NPC who is effectively two different people and the players have no idea.
0: One of the only cool things about the new Mummy movie was the Jekyll Hyde.
1: The one with Tom Cruise? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't watch it. I just... Yeah, I've well, only I've, uh, the farthest I've come to watching the new mummy is seeing the memes where it's just the um <laughs>
0: <laughs> well they had uh, a check Hyde depiction there was pretty cool like Hyde. they did that great thing where everything Hyde said made sense but you just don't want to go with him because he's the bad guy no one ever listens like eh, well he was right though wasn't he <laughs> wasn't everything
1: he said correct next there is the master spy it's kind of like rogue in that it's bad it's more focused on spy stuff, so you're really good at doing a mundane disguise, and I guess if you're playing a spy campaign, do it, or you could just be a spellcaster and do all that stuff anyway. There's Nature Warden, which is like a ranger or a druid, and just kind of has their mechanics, and I don't get it. it. It just it seems to be a ranger and a druid, and it just gets their abilities at different time frames. I probably have to read that one again. Rage Profit's really cool. It's if you're multi-classing Barbarian and Oracle, which is, I think, a really interesting combination. You get, like, a Spirit Guide, and when you Rage, your Spirit Guide gives you buffs. And lastly, there's Stalwart Defender. It's a defense-focused prestige class, a.k.a. it's bad. <laughs>
0: Well, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do these at least show some improvement via iteration? Like, this is their second stab at prestige classes. Are they different or even better designed than the ones in the Corbett rulebook?
1: Mm, so I would say not really. A lot of them have pretty ludicrous prerequisites. Most of these you can't take till about level 7. And even the ones that are the multi-class focus ones... I probably still wouldn't take them. I'd probably just choose what levels I want to take my multiclass in because the way that they scale it, just doesn't really add up correctly. A lot of these ones with spellcasting, you just randomly lose levels of spellcasting for really no benefit. Say, like, they're more interesting than the core ones. I think the core ones were actually stronger for the most part. Hmm. I will say something that is interesting design space here is, like, something that I would say can,
0: if we were trying to do, like, a redesign, if I was saying there was a designer saying, how do I want to make prestige classes? Something really different than archetypes. What you would see here... And first, we have to say that, obviously, this is the first time they introduced archetypes. They don't know if they're going to be as popular as they ended up being. So, obviously, it's why they had the prestige classes. That was the only real option for out-of-class development until people really accepted archetypes. I understand that. But with prestige classes, what seems interesting here is that there is this whole idea of if you're a bard and a cavalier, then you can take this path to have like an interesting progression. Archetypes don't really do that. They certainly focus on one class. We end up later on seeing that the real solution to that was brand new classes that ended up being hybrids, but still at least you could sort of see them poke around that design space here.
1: A lot of times archetypes already fill that niche. Something like the archaeologist bard is effectively a bard slash rogue. You wouldn't need a prestige class for that. You can just take the archetype for it.
0: Great point, great point. Still allows you to progress down your bard progression, which is cool.
1: What I will say about the prestige classes that they're typically good with is that at least somewhere in the mechanics of the prestige class, there is something that only that prestige class can do. They have a very unique good. and niche ability that typically isn't worth it, but it's technically something that no one else can replicate.
0: You know what no one else can replicate? The way I walk now with my surgical wound, <laughs> all right, like they did this incision in, in my... I don't know if you would call it your pubic area. I don't know if that's even a terminology. But there, right above my dick and balls. And that means moving bothers that, which they stitched and glued. That's right. They put glue on me, by the way. So I'm I'm waddling around like a diseased penguin around the house. With the pain pills they gave me. It's manageable. It was hydroconin. Hy- hydroconin? Yes. He hosts Slate Night TV. Hydrocodon. And I also had some high doses of ibuprofen, I think just from a, a, when Tori got her wisdom teeth out that I ended up using. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I didn't use prescriptions for other people. Allegedly, allegedly. I just like that better because hydrocodone is an opioid. Thank the Lord I've had no problems with um, with substance abuse or addiction. So it didn't really do anything to me. Thank goodness. However, I'm walking around there. I've got a titanium clamp at the top of my veins for that testicle. I don't think I really described the surgery. They went in, they put a clamp it cuts blood flow off to those steel veins. They obviously malformed veins. And so new veins are created or other vein routes ra- are taken apparently you have a lot of redundant veins in your body so blood supply will go to the balls via different routes and it'll avoid those malformed veins which end up just shrinking i still have them i'll have them there for the rest of my life i don't think it dissolve or anything but they're just negligible small thin unused just shriveled up so they don't bother me anymore which is fine the, the worst part about this is now christian i'm walking around with a gosh darn grapefruit down there it's <laughs> It's trouble. I don't know if your balls have been swollen for any reason. Maybe you had to go to the bathroom really bad. Given that we have proven <laughs> that <you're just laughs> <towards the> ball. <laughs> it's a great meat. It's a good meat.
1: <laughs> During my my pee adventures, I I did have to hold in urine for a very long time because they would have to test it. They had to like test my pee flow. I had to pee so bad, so like I saved it in at the you know the whole day before I got to the urologist. And they were like, well, we're going to do, like, some, like, ultrasounds first. I was like, what? But I really, I really got to go. And they're like, it's okay. <laughs> they're, like, massaging, like, my stomach to, like, look for things. It's okay. No, you don't realize I'm the one that gets to tell you whether it's
0: not okay. And it is not okay right now. <laughs> Poking around down there. How does this feel?
1: It, it feels like I have a full bladder and you are directly applying Wrong. Got pressure you. to That's it. your
0: fast deference. Get out of my hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I to a grapefruit down there which is the worst. It's of all, I'll take all the pain but really the majority of my discomfort and change in changing my daily behavior comes from having the size of my sack this big. <laughs> I can't lay on my stomach, Christian. I told you about I gain weight and because of that I snore very badly and I, I pretty much have sleep apnea. I'm saying that self-diagnosed, so I don't really can say I really have it. The point is I stop breathing in the middle of the night. My wife has to like shove me around and, and and move me so I can breathe again. If I'm on my stomach though, not only do A, I immediately I'm just most comfortable there. I can't be on my back for more than a few minutes. I hate it. Gotta be on my stomach, but it also helps <sighs> me breathe. So now I'm kind of like I can't be on my stomach, I have to be on my back. If you give me a choice, Caleb. You can either have this situation where your ball's the size of an atom bomb and you have to lay on your back and you can't breathe, or go back to the hospital and deep throat a horse. I'd rather do that. <laughs> wait a second, that came out wrong. What I'm saying is, I'll take the two. Chapter 7 magic
1: items. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You. And any of our listeners that sleep on your stomachs, you're freaks of nature. Okay, that's what? unnatural. I don't understand. I'll never understand how you could possibly sleep on your stomach.
0: It makes no sense to you that I'll pick the option where I can breathe over the
1: one where I cannot. How can you breathe on your stomach? Because you're facing. How can you, to- you breathe on your back? <laughs> Your face is either in the pillow, that's how you kill people, Caleb, or you, you got to bend your neck oh, at a yeah, it 90 like degree angle. The cuckoo's nest. He was on his back when he got suffocated.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Or you have, to, you have to turn your head at a 90 degree angle. Are you an owl, Caleb? Are you actually an owl? Is this comfortable for you? Are you a human being that cannot <laughs> turn his head to the left or the right? For extended periods of time, it doesn't feel great. Is that? Do we walk around like this, Caleb? Do I just turn my chin on my shoulder and just walk around like that? No, it's not comfortable. You know what feels great?
0: Having my face smothered in breasts and just having to look left or right. I'll pay that price. And guess what? I don't suffocate. My wife's never killed me, though she could. I'm worth a lot of money in health insurance. I'm beginning to look at her a little strangely now that I think about it. Maybe that's what that's all about. The point is, it's great to have your face smothered in something, breasts, or a soft, comfy pillow. Well, I don't get what the problem is. This is like when there's two sides of the world. It's 50-50. It's really when you... Statistically, I think it's like 75-25. But there's two halves of the world that when they find out the each, each other exists, they go nuts. And that is there are people who stand when they wipe and there's people who sit when they're wiped. People who stand when, when they we, wipe? We see it illustrated <laughs> here. Uh, how? <laughs> Why?
1: That's disgusting.
0: How does that I couldn't work? I could have asked for this to happen better.
1: Are you... Are you making a peanut butter sandwich? Why would you stand up?
0: <laughs>
1: uh, the best part about it is right now, at least
0: like half of our listeners are going, what? Some people sit. Say- <laughs> <laughs> it keeps the cheeks spread. If you stand up, the cheeks aren't spread. The best part of people hearing this out, sit down. How do you get your hand around? Where is it going? <laughs>
1: All right, so maybe I understand that because I know there's some people who have toilet bowls. This is something I actually don't understand. The crux of this, the toilet bowls are around. They're circles. Mm -hmm. They're not ovals. All right, that I can understand standing up because it's a circle. That's not... How's that work? What's the logistics of a circle? I don't sit on that. I sit on an oval. Yeah, I, I'm, I have a circle of one, and I'm more fond of the
0: ovals. My my mother uh, was overweight for a very, very long time, and she did an incredible feat where she lost hundreds of pounds. Really absolutely amazing. However, most of my life knowing her, she was overweight. So we always had awesome toilets that could support people who are bigger, but because of that, they're raised up higher and they're bigger. And I had the luxury of having all this room. It was like, it was like that scene in Seinfeld where she's got extra lanes in the highway and she's like undoing her hair and relaxing back. I'm like, look at this toilet. But now I'm living in a one bedroom apartment in Missouri, freaking in an apartment where I hear gunshots every day. Yeah. The toilet's a small round toilet and I can't stand it, which by the way is a problem. When your testicles are the size of an orange, you can't fit your penis and testicles in there and still have your poop hole lined up for the poop to go in the toilet. So, My junk's hanging out, having a good time of vacation out there on top of the toilet seat while I'm trying to do my business. And by the way, pushing or even, not a joke, farting hurts because I had surgery down there and a pop of stitch dumping a load. I'm telling you, it really. I'm telling you, the, the the swelling was the worst part. It made even going to the bathroom difficult. I hated it so much. Uh,
1: but you're wrong, Christian. Sleeping on your stomach is the best way to do it. Mm, I guess if you like suffocating, some people are into that. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to kink shame you. You suffocate yourself. That's fine. King shame
0: me? Yes, the kink of having my face in a pillow. <laughs> oh.
1: Well, Chapter 7 Magic
0: Items, 38 pages, and it also includes the disinterest of our listeners who have stopped listening by now because they're very uninterested in what's happening with my penis, or at this point, yours. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who are still here... They have a little quick word here in one of the paragraphs talking about how magic items in the enemy's hands can spice up encounters. It's something that I myself recommend, and I even consider that when I evaluate magic items, but I always forget to do. I gotta remember to do this. It can be really cool to change a whole almost a whole encounter by having one certain magic item in one of the normal enemy's hands. Beast Jerry's Come with equipment and stuff like that, like oh he has a plus one breastplate. It's usually very standard equipment though. Consider giving your enemies some cool magic items. There's just a little tip. We get new armors, shield, and weapon enchantments. We get new meta magic rods, which I believe are just rods for the new meta magic feats introduced in this book. We need to talk about them. Real quick, Christian, were those good metamagics introduced in this book?
1: Yes, there were some good ones. There was like dazing spell, there was elemental spell, there's ectoplasmic spell, so you mm. can hurt ghosts. There was a couple good ones added.
0: Get them spooks. <laughs> they also had a ton of staffs. Do I not use staffs enough? Or are they just in love with staffs that no one no one really cares about like prestige classes?
1: I hate staffs, personally. They're just like so cost ineffective. And I mean, they're really powerful, but like the way you recharge them is kind of cumbersome because it's assuming you have a bunch of down days where the wizard can just be like, I'm going to sacrifice all my spell slots to recharge my staff. I, I don't get them. They just let you cast spells. There's just glorified wands. I'll just buy a wand, one of each spell. Thanks. Bye.
0: Okay. Well, they do add a bunch because they like them uh why don't we go over just a few magic items that we thought were interesting uh, this might be a little bit short guys because we did a whole episode of useful magic items and gear uh, and there's even some of those items in this book themselves that we went over so we, we'll just do it real quick
1: the ion torch is an ion stone those little stones that float around your head it's only 75 gold and it has the light spell on it all the time probably the best most useful light source because it doesn't require a free hand the Buccaneer's Breastplate is just funny.
0: It gives you water walk, yeah, yeah, who cares? If a creature puts on the armor while underwater, the wearer is born to the top at a surface rate of 60 feet per round. I want to do this jump out of the water like a dolphin. I'm ready for this. We have a flotation vest in the form of a very expensive breastplate, and I love it.
1: We found it. We found the best use to beguiling gift. Underwater campaign. Get a Buccaneer's Breastplate. Offer them underwater the breastplate. <laughs> they get shunted out of the combat 60 feet around.
0: Yeah, good luck coming down here by the time we're done
1: (laughs) the clamor box it's a box a little small box you tell the box what kind of sound to make and when to make it so in 20 minutes sound like a domestic abuse incident you leave the box somewhere in 20 minutes it'll sound like a couple fighting
0: you do it standing up how do you do it sitting down i sit on (laughs) my stomach well i'm on my back (laughs) i love that we're that we had the chance to have that interaction happen live on air of (laughs) What do you mean there's other people? It's great, I love that. <laughs> just do that in a crowd, it's the most entertaining. Just sit back and watch everyone go, how, well how in the world do you do it standing up? I can't imagine doing it sitting down. This just sort of freaky arms are nine times the length. Your cheeks are squished when you stand. <laughs> when you sit there and spread it like- I can smell it. you from here. I can smell it from here. What does it even mean, I love it? Okay, we can smell it from here. <laughs> the dungeon ring set I've used this a couple times it is a prisoner ring and a dungeon ring or dungeon master ring or something like that you get a bunch of prisoner rings you put it on prisoners and the dungeon master can wear it and he pretty much gets like a status effect knows what's going on with them and stuff like that they can't remove the ring it's a good way to sort of have a, have a slave sort of a scenario and I've used it on players to put them in a very bad spot where it's like how do you tell people who can maybe supposedly teleport or even before then can just run away? You want to keep tabs on them. You don't want them to just be a prisoner. But they are your slaves and they they have to work for you while you give them this ring. And now, even if it really didn't keep them there, mentally they now know, I can't take this off. They know where I am at all times. All of a sudden, they find me in the police station. They know I went somewhere I wasn't supposed to go. Very good to use to sort of mess with the minds of your players.
1: I can't remember if it was in a campaign with you or a campaign with my players, but we had someone use the dungeon ring set, but not in, like, a prisoner, prison warden kind of thing. It was, like, an NPC. is was, like, look, you just gotta trust me. This We can use this. I know it's weird. Like, you won't be able to take the ring off, but we, we can use this to know where each other are or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think someone made a deal that, like, each of them was going to wear a set of these rings. Interesting. The Elixir of Luck? is just a potion that when you drink, you get three hero points for one hour. Ooh, if you're using the hero point system, that's really good. It's 3,600 gold, a little pricey, but honestly, late in the game, that's not a lot. That seems like a crazy late game item, but you can only benefit from one a month. Once you drink one, you can't drink another for a month. So it's not like you can spam it.
0: All tools vest, which once a day you can use it to make tools appear. You can use it for general like hammers and stuff like that. But most people will use it to do craft checks without having the tools on them. You can get the tools necessary to do these checks. Very useful. I've seen it around a lot of people. Only 1,800 gold.
1: The key of lock jamming, you stick this key in a lock and speak a command word and it jams the lock and increases the lock's resistance if someone tries to break it open. A really interesting non-spellcaster way to stop people from entering an area.
0: Sash of the War Champion, count your armor training and bravery as four levels higher. There are surprisingly few of these items that let you treat yourself as higher level for certain class skills, and almost every one of them is a must-buy as a fighter. Get this, very, very useful.
1: It's really good early in the game because it can let you wear heavy armor at full speed by, like, level 4. The soul soap. Soul soap is this ashy soap that when someone is washed with it, they get a new will save against a mind-affecting effect. Another great thing, if you don't have any spellcasters in the party, just buy yourself a soul soap. And if the fighter gets mind-controlled, well, you're gonna have to pin him down and (laughs) rub this dirty soap all over him to clean his mind. It's only 200 gold, so I think it's really worth it to always have one of these on hand. What did you just say? Come here, come here. I hate to wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> no, no, I had a spell cast on me.
0: I, I have to... Come here, come here!
1: We got the mule back cords. They let you count your strength as eight higher for carrying things. Okay, so now if you have 18 strength and you here you, we go. you put these on, you got 26 strength effectively for carrying, and then you can't cast Ant haul on yourself. You can now carry 2,760 pounds, a.k.a. Over a literal ton. You could just carry it. I don't know how you lift it. Don't ask me that question. It's a logistical thing. I don't know how you're lifting the ton, but you're carrying it.
0: Christian, have you seen this abused a lot? Why are you so upset at this?
1: I, did, I just find the visual mm-hmm. of a person literally carrying a ton of things hilarious. Uh-huh. It's more of the potential. It's like, I know it's there. No one does this. Really, no one does this, but I think it's hilarious. They
0: carry the wizard's tower away. <laughs>
1: Like, someone could just do that. Like, it's a world-building thing. Like, if someone really just wanted to pick up their house and move it, okay, well, just 200 gold worth of items, and there I am. (laughs) The girdle of opposite gender, that can be a fun one to throw in. I can imagine you
0: could use it to do a little bit of social commentary, but I've only ever used it sort of as a fun thing, because it's a cursed item. Once you put it on, you're opposite gender, until you figure out how to break that curse and take it off.
1: Hmm. The filter of love is basically a love potion. Someone drinks it, and they fall in love with the first person that they see uh there's no saving throw it has to be removed by a spell such as break enchantment wish yada yada yada
0: fun fact that's how i got christian to do this podcast with me
1: it tasted really good he told me it was bubble tea (laughs) you're
0: like "Mm, what's this weird orange like nickelodeon slime colored (laughs) drink i'll take it
1: (laughs) what i find this one interesting because though it doesn't have a saving throw it simply says that the person falls madly in love so they are considered A helpful attitude. If a romantic attraction is possible, they fall in love. Otherwise, it is a platonic adoration. So it's not really like you have mind control over them. They just look at you very favorably. And I think using this and seeing its implication could be a really cool thing to see in a campaign. Like, do it on the enemy. The enemy's still the enemy. The enemy still has their wants and needs, just they also now are in love with one of the party members.
0: I think that if you have some good role players in your game, this could be really fun. If you have some bad ones, there's like, uh, there's like that spell that makes you go run up and kiss somebody. I forget what the spell is. <laughs> like Uncontrollable lust or something?
1: It's something uh, like that. Unnatural lust. Can,
0: you, I imagine bad role players role play it that badly, but if you're really like. Role playing that you're in love with somebody. I think this would be really interesting. I could, I could already like I'm making plans for this whole thing to run out or they end up. Like the other person ends up finding out that they are in love with them, and then they're, they're living this wonderful life. And then the enchantment's finally broken. They have to come to terms with. Wait, did you take advantage of me? Are really, really in love? I mean, it was real though, wasn't it? Sure, it was an enchantment, but don't you still feel those ways? We built the life together. This is awesome. There's a lot of potential here if you're good at role playing.
1: I want to see it on like the BBEG, and he's like, he still wants to destroy the world, but he's like, but I want you to come with me leave your friends behind i'll do anything to spare you
0: <laughs> i'll take you away from this place. <laughs> We get some wondrous items. I've talked about the knucklebone of fickle fortune before in our useful magic items and gear episode. And I'm sure before as well. I love the item so much. It's essentially a d20 that has some ludicrous effects. Really fun if you want to throw a wrench into a campaign. A lot of fun. Uh, There's also the Cloud Castle of the Storm King. It's got like half a page to a page worth of things about it. It's a flying castle. It, it's just a great illustration of how items can help inspire campaigns. Do yourself a favor. Just look up that item and read about it and see if you can't already come up with a cool campaign based around the item. I love item spells. We talked about Spell earlier today. Things like that that inspire campaigns. Those are great. You know what's not great? <laughs> I love these segues. You've been really good at these segues. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. It's uh, when your sack sags <laughs> like an old cracked leather bag. That a woman's had for 30 years and refuses to throw away because (laughs) – when the swelling goes down, it's really the testicle that's swollen and stuff down there. The sac is really just expanding to contain it, like my stomach does when I fill it so full of food like a monster. All right? <laughs> but I'm looking down there. It's hanging down there. I'm making toilet tea if I don't, like, throw it over my shoulder. It's a problem. That's what I'm saying.
1: It sounds like it's you need uh, you need the spell ant hall to be able to carry that load <laughs> there. <okay? laughs>
0: I tied some muleback cords around
1: there. It wasn't a titanium
0: clip. It's just a little miniature muleback cord they tied it. <laughs> There with a little bow uh, <laughs> uh the worst i turned into michael jackson there for a second i apologize <laughs> the swelling started going down on that oh one thing before we get too far from the swelling you know what the one of the worst parts about the swelling is aside from the pain i can't move can't sit can't lay on my stomach can't pee can't poop uh the really the worst part is that it made my dick even smaller i don't need help in that account i've already got Something small. It's like a toothpick down there. A little Italian sausage down there. I don't need to look even smaller because of a freaking the swelling of a testicle. Shoving skin up there. It looks like I'm not circumcised. Which I am, of course, because my parents, who are Christians, decided cut that baby's dick. Chop it right up. Christians, yes, the people who derive their religion from Judaism. And what does Judaism say? It says, chop up that penis. Give it a little chippy chop, chop, chop. It's on it's on. America's next top chef. Give it a little cut. You know why? Because it's a sign of the sacred covenant made between God and man in which God will take not only responsibility, but even if you break it, will continue it. Because that's how awesome a covenant is. That's why we don't use the word promise. And that's the symbol of that sacred thing. And then what happened was... Jesus came around and said, how about this? We dip you in water. Sounds better, doesn't it? That's what we're going to do. It's the sign of the new covenant. Great. So Christians don't have to cut their dicks anymore. (laughs) However, my parents said, still do it. We have this out, but give it a chop. (laughs) There's some fun things. I mean, as much fun as you want to talk about having your dick cut in uh, the (laughs) Old Testament. There's a part of being a Jew in the Old Testament as God's orders were given out was don't procreate with people who aren't Jewish. Gentiles, they call them. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. I.e., I am a Gentile. Uh, Don't procreate with them. And Jews all the time did that. However, there was this one point where they were trying to keep that command and uh another nation said we want to marry your women and they said hmm i got an idea this it'd be great if this nation was like out of the picture right here's what we do we said to them yeah go ahead yes we will be happy to give our women to you one small thing just any bitty bit of thing you are gonna have to be circumcised though given that gentiles making up the vast majority of the world did not have that tradition they were like oh there's a reason we do it to our babies they don't really remember how much it hurts it's a very painful process, as you can imagine, having foreskin cut off of you. So as they all did that, because apparently they wanted the puss that bad, they all cut themselves. And as they're recovering, I forget who it was, the name of the character, uh, went in the middle of the night and killed them all. Because they really couldn't pick up a sword and fight. I can imagine now, not being able to walk. If somebody tried to break into my house, I couldn't stop them. If I had, if I just had a circumcision, what could I possibly do? And <laughs> it's the ultimate debuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh the best part was that character who i really wish i remember the name of at this point in the story would have give it a little more validity gathered all the foreskins he saved them and presented them to somebody Ah, uh, boy i forget the details it may have even been like yeah sure yeah you'll be queen king if you can bring me the foreskin every gentile on our land you'll be the king you know nine days later shows up and here's a bucket full of foreskins a little gross to think about the point is dad why did you do this to me you had an out dip me in water you in fact already did do that thing i got baptized Why did this happen? The part of the new covenant so great about is that we're not under the regime of the old covenant where you have to live by the law. It's a really beautiful thing that we have this new covenant now. Why do I have the sign of the old covenant in my pants? (laughs) So
1: The point is, there was a lot of swelling. So, found a new use for beguiling gift. Give them whatever the tool is for circumcision. There you go. Probably a knife, I imagine. (laughs) Well, I don't want to do I, a I don't angry, picture
0: like going around there with some scissors.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, speaking of the New Covenant, let's look into Chapter 8 where we get new rules, 16 pages. We get some new combat maneuvers, dirty trick, drag, reposition, steal. Hero points are introduced in this book. We talked about them a couple times. We, we talked about the new feats and spells that interact with them. I, am my I don't know about you, but in my, my campaigns, I don't think I've ever used hero points.
1: I've used them before, but I usually end up modifying them pretty heavily just because I think their base uses are very boring. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like a oh, get a huge bonus to your next dice roll. It doesn't say anything about the characters. It doesn't help you tell a story. It's just like, I just mm-hmm. want this big boost right now.
0: It's a little bit of like a gamey part of the system.
1: Yeah, I, I instead changed it into something basically hero powers. I called them hero powers. Everyone had like a custom ability. I made a custom ability uh, for Oh, do damage, draw a card. Yeah, I yeah <laughs> gave them a gave soul drain. <laughs> life tap, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> we also get traits introduced in this book which I remember
0: somebody asking me I was like oh it's definitely in the core and I looked up and I'm like oh I guess that was not in the core just another illustration of something that is so good that I don't, I've never met, played with a group that hasn't used traits. Mm-hmm. Traits are, are really cool for role playing, as I've said before. And as I've said before, mostly ever see them used just for their power gaming reasons. Not power gaming, but just character optimization as opposed to role playing. I got to be better about using them from role playing. Well, Christian, we've come to the end of the episode. Let me give you my final thoughts on Testicular Vericus Seal. <laughs> I'm uh, recovering nicely now. Right now, most of the my, my balls have almost gone back down to normal. They're not there yet, but they're getting close. Uh, it's just the wound. It's healing up nicely. I don't think I popped any stitches. Everything's going well. I really hope to be able to report in a couple of weeks that it was a success with no complications. And uh, Christian, you know, in through all this, we learned a lot about me. We've yeah. not learned a lot about you. And this was all started with a question. Caleb boxers or briefs. Christian, I want... Our listeners to learn more about their GM, Christian. Christian, boxers are briefs. So, we can't have our
1: webcam Wait, right wait. I want to stop
0: real quick. Uh, There's a problem. Stop, 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 stop. The pro- First off, I don't need to see the underwear, Christian. I well, don't the- see your webcam. I do. The problem is <laughs> I started this entire thing that's spread across two episodes with the answer to boxers or briefs being... Well, so, so I'm very scared of where this is going to go, but please continue.
1: <laughs> well, I would say briefs, but these aren't exactly briefs. They're not boxer briefs. They're a little bit shorter than boxer briefs. I don't know what to call these, but they're my no, favorite. Those are
0: those are briefs. Those are tidy whities that aren't white. They're
1: okay. They're Lacoste. Okay, it's got a brand name. That's just a brand they're, name. They're not briefs though. They're I'll, no, I will put it today? on oh, right now, Lacoste. What
0: are you talking about? They're not briefs. Those are briefs.
1: No, these are briefs. I'm glad I had my laundry on hands. These are briefs, Caleb.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. They're different. that is a little bit weird. Yeah. So you also wear briefs. Yes.
1: Because I can't find more of these. They're very comfortable. (laughs) They're made of like the perfect material. They're, They're not like... As stringent as briefs. They're a little looser, they're a little lower, but they're still not boxers where they're cutting off my legs. It's like, you know, I gotta walk. Sometimes I gotta kick things. I can't kick when there's this thing restricting my leg. Also, because I shave my legs, like the hair down there sometimes prickly, but I don't do it every so often. So if, if it's going down, past, boxers
0: use for their freedom, not their restriction.
1: Uh, boxers, too much freedom. Too much freedom. I don't need all Wait, that is flying it freedom around. Restriction
0: now? You're waffling in the two sentences. <laughs>
1: It's an in-between, that's what I mean I'm not, One is too tight, one is not tight enough This is the perfect in-between
0: uh-huh, Okay, Yeah. alright, well we, You're a disgusting human being who lies on his back Which is wrong, and wears briefs, which is wrong <laughs> And I hate you, the only saving grace here Is that they're not white <laughs> But I just want to thank you for showing me Even though our listeners can't see your webcam I'm glad I now know what your underwear looks like
1: If they were white, it's good that I don't Stand up in white, because everyone Would know, because they'd be stained <laughs> Amazing.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, Christian, I hope that if any day you have any sort of surgery in that area, you would share with our listeners as I have so that I'm not the only one who's put themselves out there. But I will say this uh, I've said it before A lot of my comedy Is just a sentence That I know in the end Is laugh You may walk away From this episode thinking I know a lot about Caleb now You might not Alright I've said a lot of things Here today I talked about how short My dick was Do you really think I'm going to tell you The length of my penis I've never told anyone that I will say though If I did have a short dick I'd make jokes about it
1: (laughs) Now you're doing Visual humor Caleb
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just stared I did a Bruce Green stare At the camera You don't know what that is Type that in Bruce Green stare But aside from that You might not know as Much about me As you think First off As you wanted to know Caleb doesn't know even have balls <laughs> I really got you going here He's just been gaslighting us This whole time I just felt the The, the episodes weren't funny enough I needed to come up With some contrived reason To make them better <laughs> Well, I do want to say that here, and uh, we actually give her now our conclusions of the book, uh, one of the most famous books in the Pathfinder role-playing game. I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this episode because of how important this book is. And this was the episode we chose to talk about my balls. Uh, (laughs) It's amazing. My conclusion on this is I think it is a really good book and it deserves the fame it has. I can see why it's held in such high regard. The player options they present here are pivotal. Uh, The feats, all of them are useful, or even very useful, unlike in some later books they're like, oh this is very niche. These are all great classes, the new classes are very strong, the archetypes are often referenced as one of the best parts of Pathfinder are in this book, introduced in this book. There's expanded options for many of the classes, i.e. like rogue talents and barbarian powers, the equipment and magic items might be what I would call the least strong part about this book, but I still think is a good part about this book. A lot of the magic items were particularly strong. The spells, I can't speak quite to their ubiquity or power level, but I can say they definitely didn't skimp on the amount. There's a lot of them. And almost universally, each caster gets a good amount at each level. And uh, there's more pit spells, so I'm in. I'm <laughs> in it. And traits are assumed in almost all the games I play. So I assume most others. The new commoners are good. Hero Points are something that a ton of games use to this day. This book was so popular that almost completely everything in here is used. And and these alternate options aren't really alternate anymore. They're like necessary. So it's a great book. It's it's as important to me, in my opinion, uh, for a player as the core rule book is.
1: I share basically the exact same opinion as you, Caleb. But the thing that I want to analyze is... It being a book, would I actually own this book as a physical book on my bookshelf that I pick up and look through? And the answer is probably not, just because it's very categorical. This is very much a giant 300-plus page list of options that I think having the book isn't too useful. I'm probably going to end up looking this all up online anyway because there's just so much content in here. There's, you know, 200, what was it, 267 spells? What am I going to do, flip through the book? No, I'm going to use some kind of online tool. I think it's an amazing book. Like again, exactly as Caleb said, I would never play without it. These are so many things in here that I just thought were core. I thought these were just part of the system that I would basically never play without. If someone's like, we're going to do a core rule book only, I'd be like, oh, no, no way. <laughs> no way, Jose. Nah, get out of here. But as, as an actual book, like, you have the physical book, Caleb. How, what are your feelings on actually having the book flipping through it? Or do you just go to, like, Archive of Nethys or the SRD and look this stuff up?
0: We are in a we're in an age where a lot of this is, is digital I even, as many times I've said, our listeners will know I use a program that correlates all this stuff and helps me build it. I don't use physical books very often at all. I think as a book, it's very valuable. It's got a lot of great art. It's organized very, very well which you can't say for all books, all especially all role-playing books, but we're, we're kind of moving past the age of the physical book as being a necessary requirement, especially at, I think, the middle to the end of a system's life. So it's, it's a reason we don't, at the end, rate books anymore or tell you their prices. You will notice in, in some of our other book reviews, we did do that. That's because they're the earlier ones. It's, it's hard to justify that now that everything is free or digital. I still I still buy new books every time they come out, because I do like flipping through them and it's easier for me to I digest initially by looking at a book, and then later on, I kind of go through all the digital, I'm like, oh, what was that one spelling? And look it up or whatever. But when I first digest something, I do do it through a book. So if this is your first time getting into the system, I probably would have greatly benefited from reading through this first before jumping in. But at the time of reading this book, I knew most of its content already from playing the game over years. It would have been much easier digestible by reading the book through first. That's my personal opinion. I know a lot of people might still suggest, eh, the books aren't even worth it anymore. But I do think they're great for first, first-time introduction and new rules.
1: When I compare it to books like, say, Planar Adventures or maybe the Inner Sea Gods book, um, those other books are books that have a lot of text mm. describing locations, a lot of art, whereas sure. this I feel is more categorical. It's very much lists of things, list of classes, list of spells. So I think owning the book in that case for the other ones, Inner Gods and Planar Adventures, I-, I would own a physical copy of that book and probably make better use of it because looking up mm-hmm. a description of the plane of Elysium isn't as useful online as I think it is in the book and with that organization, yeah. whereas this is you know i have everything right here in archive of Nethys very neatly typed out here's all the archetypes here's all the rage powers here's yeah. a, that that to me is, is i think very useful but i think this is Overall, wonderful book. Wouldn't play without it. 10 out of ten. One million out of 10. Great. Perfect.
0: I would call those books you just mentioned and and things like the Book of the Damned, I would call them like reference books. Mm -hmm. I have the Player's Adventure Guide. So when somebody says we go to the Boneyard, I can look it up and learn everything I need to know about it to help role play in there and run my, my players through it. This is not a reference book. This is a pure. Uh, people might call it a crunch book. Anything that is predominantly player options, and I think you're helping me here. I thank you a lot for helping me refine my answer. Things that give you a lot of player options yes. are less useful to look up in the long term. When you have things, such as the this system allows you to have the internet and things like Hero Lab and other builders that have all the information there. The information's in other places where it's easier to look up. But like the Game Mastery Guide, I, I'll need that book because it's predominantly text, not rules predominantly advice right so i need to read through that advice reference books like the planar adventures is predominantly a reference thing i want to look up that does combine some player crunch but with mostly text lore that sort of advice that sort of thing but books that are predominantly player options i think are are less strong uh, to buy the physical copy and reference so often there i answered very long for a question that you probably didn't want a long answer to (laughs) But uh, you're gonna have you, uh, this episode's a lot about information people didn't want, but I'm gonna give them anyway, <laughs> Christian. I think we we ended with that theme, and I think it's a great place to end it. Thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at, tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazer network. This episode was edited by Devin Tonnell. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Christian and I were just hanging out on this totally eventless day and in no way forgetting anything important. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen
1: to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy.
0: If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a
1: listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice and join us. Christian, I told you to turn off your phone while we're recording Sorry, I just got a text from my dad He asked me what I got for Mother's Day? Oh, when is that? Oh no